Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Starts by saying this. The Lord God commanded, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Genesis chapter 3, it says, now the serpent, Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. We're going to jump all the way to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 3, picking up in verse 16. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, somebody say ASAP, ASAP. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. How about that after a baptism? Matthew chapter 4, these, these verse, this story actually continues. The end of chapter, seven, uh, chapter 3 is verse 17, and it jumps right into Matthew chapter 4. 11 verses of scripture. I know that's a lot, but let's lean in. Then Jesus, after being baptized, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Of course he was. Jesus wanted some Chick-fil-A. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. In other words, Jesus said, God said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now we see Satan quoting scripture. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said with a quickness, away from me, Satan. I just, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. The verse I want you to, uh, to memorize is verse 4 in Matthew 4. It says, the scriptures say no one can live only on food. People need every word that God has spoken. For the next few moments, I want to talk from a message titled, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Look at your neighbor. Look at them real good. Stare at them in their eyes. Say, neighbor, I didn't say that. Let's pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to trust in, believe in, listen to, and obey whatever you say. And Holy Spirit, help us to say what God said. In Jesus' name, amen. You can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. We need to talk. We need to talk. In this series, we want you to know that God speaks. I said that in week one, but it's just a reminder. God speaks. In fact, God is speaking to you. That is one of the primary ways God speaks to us through the Bible. God wants us to speak to him. That's through prayer. And He, he we need to know how to speak to one another because if we're honest, most of us don't know how to do that. That's why we call this series, We Need to Talk. It is important when God speaks because, as I said, uh, when we started this series, after the first time he spoke, it was followed by the first attack against his word, which was a question of doubt. We just read it. 
Satan said, did God really say? So as, as we continue to give you tips on how to talk to God, how God talks to us, how to talk to one another, I believe the verses we just read in that story, Jesus gives us some tips for how to talk to Satan. Because believe it or not, you got to talk to him too. And unfortunately, we don't know that as believers, but we need to talk. So before we dive in, I want to share with you that I think as a culture, as a community, as a, a group of believers, we have unintentionally created an unbiblical version of Jesus. We've created the Jesus that's made in our image as opposed to the biblical Jesus that is the image of our invisible God. There's a tension that we need to address between the Jesus that is in our head and the Jesus that is in the Bible. I'm going to say that again. We need to deal with the tension and address the, the issue between the Jesus that is in our head and the Jesus that is in the Bible. Because these two don't align, they don't agree, they are not synonymous, and they can be destructive to our faith and others' faith. It can be destructive to our faith that bears the name of our Savior, but not his character called Christianity. Somebody say Christianity. And just so we're on the same page, Christians is what we call ourselves. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, that he lived that he lived, he died, was resurrected again. That's we call ourselves Christians. Pastor Will, what's a Christian? I'm glad you asked. I want you to write this down. A Christian is someone who is like Christ or is Christ-like. Not someone who likes Jesus. I'm not talking about you like the idea of Jesus, you like the thought of Jesus. I'm talking about you being like Jesus, someone who is Christ-like. Why am I explaining the difference? Because if the Jesus we have in our head is judgmental, we will think it is okay to judge people. Here's another one. If the Jesus in our head is mean, we think we have permission to be mean. If we, if we think Jesus is religious, super religious, and legalistic, we will reflect that same version of Jesus. And because some of us have shaped Jesus into the image in our head, now we have a culture that justifies what they should be convicted by. They justifies mutilating their body. They justifies things that won't allow them to naturally procreate. We need to have a better biblical image of Jesus because we formed a version of Jesus that's in our head, but, that, but he's not in the Bible, which is why Gandhi said this. Gandhi said these words, and it's a powerful quote. He said, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. As a result, we created a misrepresentation of Jesus based on a misunderstanding about and a misquoting of who Jesus is. Guess what? We got to talk, which leads me to say this. Please write this down. Point number one, God made us in his image, but we shrink Jesus into our own. God made us in his image, but we shrink Jesus into our image. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over. Somebody say rule over. Rule over what? The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals. Somebody say wild animals. If I'm not mistaken, when we just read earlier, it says that the serpent, that Satan, was more crafty than all the other wild animals. We, had, we were supposed to rule over them. That was said in Genesis 2. Satan, Satan didn't show up until Genesis 3. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So snakes move on the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. You and I, he created them. Unfortunately, this is not addressed in the church. 
but we're going to talk about it. Now, the Bible is clear that Jesus died to be our Savior. Agree? Everybody agree with that? You get a, you know, a Baptist head nod for those of you that don't know what that means. Uh, Baptist people have a tendency to be quiet in church. It was, it's good, Pastor. Uh, do you agree that Jesus died to be your Savior? Yes? No? Maybe so. If, you're, if you don't believe yet, that's cool. We'll get there. It's all right. Okay. The Bible also says he lived to be our example. Do you agree with this? So we need more than dead Jesus. We need more than resurrected Jesus. We also need the Jesus who lived because in his life he teaches us how to live. He tells us how to live. So we don't just need to make Jesus cool. We need to relearn who Jesus is so that we can represent Jesus accurately in our life. And one of the areas we, re we represent Jesus or we misrepresent Jesus is in this area. We often misquote, misinterpret, misinterpret, and live lives that are inconsistent with Scripture all the time. That is simply why when you go to school, your friends wait on you to get in arguments and see how you engage in relationships and watch your life so they have permission to continue to live the way that they live because you call yourself a Christian, but you don't live, a, you don't live according to the way God called you to live. Pastor Will, that's kind of heavy. Yes, because I'm coming for you tonight. I want you to know you are called to live differently. The Jesus we misquote is inconsistent with the Jesus that is quoted in the Bible. And when we do this, it is unhelpful to unbelievers. For example, we say things like this. God said when God didn't actually say. We use scripture to get our way. In fact, I believe there are times when God is like, I didn't say that. Let me give you some examples. We'll say things because some of you, you'll go to camp this year and camp is amazing. I love camp. You should go to camp. You should even go to convention. You should sign up right after the service. It's going to be amazing. But let me let me explain something to you. We say things like this. We'll go into a worship service. Some of you even did it tonight. You get real close to the altar. You'll lean in because our worship team is amazing and fire. Like they're really good. And then the presence of God fills the room. And you're like, God, I, I got a goosebump. I feel you right now. And then you'll start saying this. Ooh, that girl over there, she's cute. Look how she's worshiping. And she's got her hand raised. God said we're going to get married when God didn't say. We say things like that all the time. Here's another one. Well, here's, here's one. Uh, don't, I don't even know if I told y'all this before. Uh, I hate, hate. Somebody say hate. Say it like you mean it, hate. Say it like it's in your heart, hate. Say it with a growl, hate. Oh, yeah, they're right there, right there. I hate church hoppers. I can't stand them. I hate them. I hate church hoppers. And let me explain why. Because people who hop from church to church, that tells me a few things. They're not really planted in the house of God. They just want to go where they think everything's cool. But a reason I can't stand them is because they say this phrase, God's calling me somewhere else. Really? God's where did he where where did he say? What church did he say? And I'm not saying God can't call you to another place. And I'm not. And I, this is just my personal belief. I believe God calls leaders to other areas of influence, to other people and locations. I think it is really, really rare that God calls people to different churches because what ends up happening, God called me to another church. And then you complain about that church. And you complain about that church. And what ends up happening, you just complain about all the churches in Dothan. And then what you don't realize is that you are the common denominator. That maybe the church isn't the problem. And then we just use the word, but God said. And God is probably in heaven like, I didn't say that. Lying, saying God co-signed something he never said. I'll prove it in a, in a story, just a quick story, just to kind of lean you in a little bit more. There was a little girl who came home from school one day. And uh, 
she told her mother, she said, Mom, my stomach hurts. The mother, knowing that her daughter was a picky eater, says, Baby, that may be because there's nothing in it. You probably need something to eat. So she gets something to eat, and after a little while, when the food is digested, she goes back to her mom. She says, Mom, you were right. My stomach feels better now. The mom is in the kitchen. Kitchen. She's washing dishes. She's cleaning up after the meal, and her phone is ringing, but she doesn't hear it because her phone is on the other side of the house. The daughter hears the phone ringing, and she proceeds to pick up the phone and says, hello. The voice on the other side says, says this, hey, buddy, this is Pastor Mark. How you doing? And so the story goes on. She says, um, little girl says, I'm fine, Pastor Mark. How are you doing? He says, I'm doing okay. I got a little headache, but I'll be all right. The little girl pauses for a moment. She says, hmm, it's probably because there's nothing in it. See, oftentimes we, we get to a place where we repeat what other people say. Pastor Will, what is the relevance of that story other than it being funny? I want to propose to you that what the little girl did with the pastor is oftentimes what we do in our own lives. We repeat what we've heard from trusted sources. And some of the things we say, some of the things we repeat, some of the things we heard, some of the things we believe are simply not true. Sometimes we believe in things God did not say. We just heard it said. Pastor Will, I need some more examples for that when people misquoted God's word. Good, because I got a few. Here's one. I don't know if you've ever heard this. By show of hands, tell me if you've ever heard this one. Godliness is next to cleanliness. You ever heard that? You can put your hands down because that's not in the Bible. Don't, don't live by that. That's bondage. Here's another one. <laughs> oh, you should be clean, though. Middle schoolers, take a bath. Uh, here, here's another one. Here's another. And this, this one is actually a worship song, but it's not in the Bible. Come just as you are. It's not in the Bible. God didn't say that. Some of you are like, Pastor Will, you're lying. Google it. It's not in there. Here's another one. Do it after service. Here's one. Uh, I'm going to start it, and I want you all to finish it. Spare the rod. Spoil the child. That's not in the Bible. It actually says if you spare the rod, you hate your child. So if you don't get whoopings, yeah. So uh, here's another one. Here's another one. Money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that. It says money is the root of all kinds of evil. Here's another one. When God closes a door, he opens a window. That's not in the Bible neither. Here's one. Here's one. Uh, He never puts more on you than you can Oh, that's a good one. It's not in the Bible. Uh, here, here's another one. He gives his toughest battles to the. That's not in there neither. We repeat what we've heard from trusted sources. So please write this down. This point's kind of it's, it's, it's a big word. It's some big words I'm going to use, but the point is necessary. There's a difference between revelation and regurgitation. There's a difference between revelation and regurgitation. Pastor Will, I don't know what either of those words mean. I'm 12. Okay, so regurgitation is also like, um, forgive me, like puking, like just, blah, just you know, you're just throwing everything out there. Pastor Will, I know what that means. I want to know what revelation means. Okay, write this down. Revelation, the revealing or unveiling of divine truth. The revealing, unveiling, uncovering of divine truth. So if you hear some of our leaders come up or if you hear a worship song on a Sunday, when somebody says, God revealed to me this, he's uncovering biblical truth. When you go to a conference, a convention, a camp, a youth service, and you say, Pastor Will, I was reading my Bible the other day, and I got this revelation. God uncovered a truth in his word to you. But we have to realize there's a difference between revelation 
and regurgitation. Most people only know enough scripture to mis- to repeat it or misquote it. Did you hear what I just said? Most people, including you, only know enough scripture to misquote it or repeat it. That's it. And now we have people who are living a life off second-handed revelation. Let me just pause for the calls real quick and let you know, I don't want you to live off my revelation of who God is. I want you to live off the revelation of who God is in your life. Somebody say, we need to talk. Now, we've all repeated what someone else has said before, right? We've all done that. For some of you, you repeat what people say all the time. That's gossip. You should stop doing that. But for some of us, you know, we repeat what people said. It's okay, and I just want to let you know, it's okay to repeat what mama said. That's okay. You know, Bobby Boucher, mama said. You know, it's okay to repeat what mama said. However, it's not okay to repeat what God did not say. That's not okay. It's another thing to misinterpret, mismanage, or misuse what God said. And I believe there are some things that we say that God said that God would literally show up and be in heaven sitting on his throne and say, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You may even be repeating or reposting something that you heard a well-meaning Christian influencer say on social media, and heaven is like, I didn't say that. You may have heard something and interpreted it in a way that's inconsistent with God's intention, and God is like, I did not say that. Just a quick show of hands. How many of you have ever been in a conversation? Don't raise your hand at that point because y'all all all talk. You even talk to yourself. But uh, you ever been in a conversation and y'all talking and then like you they you walk away from the conversation and they start talking to somebody else. And then they you overhear them saying what you just said. And you're thinking, I didn't say that. Did that ever happen to anybody all the time? I think God is in heaven, literally chilling, chilling, like because the Bible talked about when he was walking in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. I think the AC unit is perfect in heaven. He's just up on his big throne, just hanging out. And then. You know, people, he's just he, like people are talking. He was like, hmm, I didn't say that. I, I, I think we have to realize that one day we're going to have to give an account for every idle word we've spoken. But here's the reason why we're talking about this. I'm telling you this because there are things that are regularly spoken and consistently communicated that sound good, but they are not God. And I'm at a place in my ministry life where I'm not trying to keep, I'm not going to keep continuing to give you short, pithy statements that I think are going to change your life. I'm trying to give you God's word because that is the thing that's going to change your life. If you believe that, say amen. And one of the ways the enemy tries to corrupt what is coming out of our mouth is by confusing the words that go into our mind. The words that go into our eyes and ears because he knows you can't say, if you can't say it right, you will understand it wrong. Satan knows you can't live the right kind of life if you understand the Bible wrong. And Satan's primary goal is to get us to doubt what we heard God say and then misquote what God says. This is revealed in Matthew 4. We read it earlier. It begins with this one word. The word is then. Somebody say then. Come on, everybody say then. But in order to understand the significance of then, we have to understand what happens before then. What happened in Matthew chapter 3? We read that earlier. Jesus is getting baptized. His cousin John is doing the baptismal. He goes into the water. Wow. You know, they, they dump Jesus. Uh, they hold him down there for 30 seconds. That's not true. They dump him. And then he comes up, and then the sky split open. And then this voice from heaven says, ah, this is my beloved son. 
in whom I'm well pleased. So after Jesus is baptized, empowered by the Holy Spirit, gets a public affirmation from his father regarding his identity, then, somebody say then, I believe God wants us to make sure we know who we are. Why? Point number three, write it down. When you know who you are, you know who you're not. When you know who you are, you know who you're not. God says, this is my son, my beloved son. He hadn't even done a miracle yet, and I'm pleased with him. And then Satan comes and challenges the very thing God said about him and to him. God says, this is, and Satan says, if you are. God says, it's so. Satan says, if so. Satan comes and tests him to see if Jesus believed the truth that was spoken about him 40 days ago. Just 40 days ago. Remember the story. He gets baptized and it says, by the spirit, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. 40 days, 40 nights, Jesus is hungry, hungry. Like he won't, uh, uh, what, what's the uh, Jersey Mike's? He won't, the, what, what's it called, Lindsay? The big one. Oh, I can't remember. He wants a big sub. Give me all the extras. And then Satan shows up and he's in his ear. If God said, why am I telling you this? If we go back and let's just go back a few verses. That's why we read the verses in Genesis to start this out. If we go back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are in are made in the image of God. And yet the serpent tricks them into eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because Satan says, God knows if you eat this, you will be like him. Eve already was what Satan was trying to get her to prove. Eve had no she had no revelation of who she was. But when you know who you are, you know who you're not. When you know what God says, you know what he didn't say. When you know what God says, you can know who you are. So what worked with Adam and Eve in the garden did not work with Jesus in the wilderness. The same way Satan shows up in the garden, he shows up in the wilderness and he comes to Jesus and he says, if you are. If you believe God's word about you, Jesus, then prove it. But if you go through life trying to prove stuff to people, listen to me. If you go through the rest of your life trying to prove stuff to people, that is revelation to me that you don't know who you are. And I know who you are. I, I have a sense of identity for you. It's not my job to tell you who you are. It's God's job to tell you who you are. It is my job to affirm who you are. But I want you to know if you, know, if you don't know who you are, it starts with knowing who you're not. 2 Corinthians 6, 6 says, we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. When you know who you are, you know who you're not. This is why we need to realize, number four, please write this down. God does what he says, not what we say. God does what he says, not what we say. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. This is God speaking. We need to realize that people live off the word, not our cute quotes, not our, not our interpretations of the word. I want to say what God says. I want to quote what God says. I want to live what God says, not what I say. And just, just let me say this. In our faith, at our church, we believe in spiritual gifts. But because of our, because our belief in spiritual gifts there have also been spiritual abuses. Pastor Will, what are you talking about? The reason I'm talking about this is because we want to correct abuses that are, are misquotations of the scriptures. 
so that we can properly use and operate in the gifts. Because if we disregard, disregard what God says about gifts, about his gifts, we, disre- we disregard what God gave somebody else for us. And I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me. I want everything that God says that's for me. Because I hear people that say stuff like this. It's okay. I don't believe in prophecy until they need a word. I hear people say this. You know, healing was in the Old Testament. I don't need a healing until you need a miracle. We got to get to a place where we believe what God says is true. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the spiritual gifts. I believe in the power, the function, and the operation, and the person of the Holy Spirit because God does what he says, not what we say. And we need the Holy Spirit because we're in a spiritual battle. I'm not going to read these verses, but Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. Go back and read them later. We need to talk because we want you to know that Satan's primary, primary mode of spiritual warfare is doubt. He doesn't really use demonic possession. He does, but that's an extreme case. You're not just seeing people foaming up at the mouth and, you know, screaming random things unless you go to Waffle House with me and Griffin and Savannah. Like, but that rarely happens. I'll show you a video after. It was kind of wild. But that's not one of his main modes. He casts doubt on what is true. He uses tricks, tricky words, sketchy phrases. He, he only lies when it's almost the truth. It's, it's just it's real deceitful. He argues truth. He doubts truth. He questions truth. All throughout scripture, we see him questioning what God said. God said in Genesis 2.17, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. But Eve misquotes God, and then Satan says to Eve in Genesis 3, the exact opposite. You will not certainly die. And God is in heaven like, I didn't say that. This is why we need to be careful with our words. This is why I'm thankful that God does what he says, not what we say. Could you imagine if God did everything we say? Your life would probably be a wreck. Your life would probably be in in disarray. I'm so glad God does what he says, not what we say. Because what you heard God say in Genesis chapter 2, Satan's going to test in Genesis chapter 3. What God says in Matthew chapter 3, Satan's going to test in Matthew chapter 4. I'm telling you, what God says in rooms like this, he's going to test in your bedroom. Satan will test you in your school. Satan will test you on your school bus. You need to write this down. Satan will always test God's truth. Always. Did God really say you're going to be the only one in your family? That doesn't have to deal with the addiction that your family deals with. Did God really say you're going to be the first one in your family to not only go to college but graduate from college? Did God really say that you're not going to be bound by this addiction for the rest of your life? Did God really say that you're going to continue to have to deal with you're not going to have to deal with depression anymore? Did God say Satan is going to test God's truth? No matter what God says to you, Satan is going to test you. And we're letting Satan talk to us. We're letting Satan talk us out of what God spoke over us all the time we're letting Satan trick us out of what God said he would bless us with he causes you to question the credibility of what God said but Jesus shows us what to do when the enemy talks to us you don't have to ignore the devil all you got to do is say God said all you got to say is 
it is written. But how can you say it is written if you don't know what is written? How can you quote the Bible if you don't read the Bible? You can talk back to him when he talks to you, but we have to realize that Satan will always test God's truth. It would have been better if Eve really grabbed hold of God's word. You rule over all the wild animals, fish in the sea, birds, birds in the air, all the livestock, and everything that creeps on the ground. If she realized her power, the authority that God gave her, Satan could have started talking and she could have been like, shut up, Satan. Not today, Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. You don't belong in animal. None of the other animals talk. What makes you think you get to speak to me? Some of you, you are entertaining snakes and you don't even realize it. That was a whole word. Just out here talking to snakes. Satan doesn't care if you read the Bible. Listen to me. He does not care if you read the Bible, young person. He cares if you apply it. Pastor Will, I'm, I'm, what's today's date? I'm, yeah, that. I'm 20 days in to reading the Bible. You should see my Bible streak. I'm, I'm, I'm locked in, Pastor Will. Satan doesn't care about you finishing a Bible plan. He cares about you applying what you read. Because I promise you, he's going to test it. Pastor Mark says it this way. A true faith is a tested faith. A real faith is a tested faith. God knows when Satan's coming with a test, those that he can trust are the ones that continue to stand on what God said. I'm closing. I want to ask you, do you still believe what God said in chapter 3 when it's tested in chapter 4? Do you still believe? Because we don't realize this. We, we, we read verses and we think things happen immediately. God spoke to Jesus the day before. He, you know, he got baptized, got the word, went ate a steak. He was like, man, today was a good day. And then immediately led him into the wilderness. Holy Spirit is like, oh, before you bite that, I need you to go down here. I need you to go to Wicksburg. I'm just kidding. That's not the wilderness. I'm joking. I just need you to, you know, go over here, Jesus. 40 days. No restaurants. Barefoot. I don't, he had Air Jesus' own. I don't know what they had back then. He just a robe, chilling. See, this is what happened. I told you earlier, we talked about their different versions of Jesus, that there's the Jesus in our head and then there's the Jesus in the Bible. See, sometimes we want Sunday school Jesus, the Jesus who is meek. I wrote down light-skinned, but fair-skinned, not light-skinned, but fair-skinned, blonde hair, blue eyes, Jesus with a perm. We want that Jesus. Jesus who was a carpenter who worked with hammers and nails and wood, but he didn't get dirty. You know, white, pure Jesus, real clean. That's the Jesus in our head. We want Jesus who blushed and had rosy cheeks, who fits in our image. But that doesn't even make sense. But that's what people want. They want Jesus who is that way. But can I tell you this? Jesus was a revolutionary. Jesus was radical. We just celebrated Martin Luther King Day. Martin died for what he believed. They killed Jesus for what he said. He was, a revol he was radical. What makes us think we get to be calm? Radical. He was so influential that they plotted to kill him. And as they were plotting to kill him for the things that he said, it, Jesus was smart, too. He'd be like, he got away from the crowds. And then Jesus, y'all, Jesus, Jesus was so G, he was so God, that when they finally caught him, 
Peter, who really got hood tendencies, cut off a dude's ear, and Jesus was like, no, nah, bro, I picked it up and put it back on. And then they accuse him, beat him, asking him all these questions, doesn't say a word, doesn't argue. In fact, one of the verses, if you go back and read the story, it says this, and Jesus didn't say a word, and then he says to Pilate, if you say so, if you say so. Jesus was that kind of man, fully man, fully God. I don't know about you, but I want a biblical version of Jesus because please write this down. When we see Jesus correctly, we see ourselves clearly. When you see Jesus correctly, we see ourselves clearly. When we see Jesus right, we see ourselves right. Give me that, Jesus. Go read James chapter 1, verses 22 and 25. I don't have time to read it, but you need to read your Bible. Because here's why. The Bible is the only book that reads you as you read it. The Bible is the only book that shows you the real you so that you can reflect Jesus. The Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author's present. That's how fire the Bible is. It's so amazing. We need to stop sanitizing the scriptures. We need to stop shrinking Jesus into our small thinking because our misrepresentation, our misinterpretation of Jesus encourages people not to follow him. And that's not okay. We need to talk. Because we love offering little nuggets of advice, support, and sympathy. They come in handy when we want to make people feel better. But see, the enemy's goal, and before I say that, but what if the advice you're giving or receiving just isn't true? What if it's not biblical? What if God never said the things we say? See, the enemy's goal is to keep us bound by misquoting what God says. And if the enemy can't stop us from hearing the truth, he will try to been the truth. That's what he did with Eve. It sounded enough of the truth that Eve was like, yeah, that's what he said. I'll eat some of the fruit. This is why people have been living by a false mantra. Your generation has been living by this mantra. I'm just living my truth. I'm just living my truth. My, my truth is my truth. No, boo-boo, you're living a lie. It's my truth, Pastor Will. It's how I feel. Your feelings are real. They're not always right. Your feelings are real. May, they may not be biblical. I submit my feelings to God's word all the time. We're in a time of fasting and prayer, and I'm hungry, and sometimes I get hangry, and then I have to realize I'm acting ungodly because I'm letting my mood dictate my attitude, my, my, my hunger dictate my attitude. I'm letting what I feel dictate how I respond to people. That is not the way God made me. Just because, you, just because somebody said it's true doesn't make it true. Just because you say it's true doesn't make it true. It's my truth, Pastor Will. I'm here to tell you if you come at me with that crap, I'm calling you a liar. Just because you feel it like it's true doesn't make it true. Quoting God, and God is in heaven saying, I didn't say that. Matthew 23, 19, I am going to read this and I'm going to close. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He Has he, has he ever spoken and failed to act? The answer is no. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? The answer is no. No. 